Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh. Fuck yeah, with Ruin Willow Podcast, where I talk about all things related to sex, sexuality, erotica, sexy writing, interviewing erotic authors, and people who are sexuality experts or have something to say about sex, something to teach us, something we can learn from and improve our own sexual health, whether it be with a partner or solo. That's my goal. You need better sex, solo sex, and with others. So, I love to read erotica for you. I have a special treat for you on this particular episode. I narrate quite a bit of work for the author, Amber Collins, and she writes on the fetish of microphilia and macrophilia. It's a sexual fetish where people are turned on by the shrinking and growing of people. It's actually quite interesting. Sometimes the man is shrunken down to be the size of a dildo. Sometimes the woman is shrunken or grows as well. And when the woman grows, amazing things can happen. Giving a blowjob is suddenly easy and deep-throating is a piece of cake. There's so many aspects. There's so much eroticism in what Amber writes about. And it's very unique. It's kind of, it's like fantasy sci-fi erotica. She'll have a story and it usually has elements of sci-fi and fantasy in it. And there is growing or shrinking of people. And in some way, shape, or form, they end up fucking. (laughs) I've narrated two longer works for her that have like 10 stories. And this one is the Magic and Abilities Collection. This story is from that collection, rather, is what I meant. And it is called The Growth of Valerie Wu. So there's this woman who just starts to grow. And we follow her journey as she gets bigger and bigger. And amazing things happen as she meets a man. And they really start liking each other and they start to do some sexual things. But Valerie is growing into a giantess. So their sexual experiences change as Valerie grows. It's a very interesting story and it is a part of the book. So I'm going to put the link to the full book down in the podcast notes. I also have codes for this book. For people who live in the United States and the UK, I have some free codes. So if you want a free copy of this audiobook, contact me at my email, which I will put down in the podcast notes as well. So there will be a link to the book and my email if you'd like to email me for the audiobook. And you can purchase the audiobook on Amazon Audible and listen to it there. It's a very interesting book. I think it's really sexy. It's really hot. It has a lot of stories that are sci-fi and fantasy in nature, like witches and just special abilities. Some of the stories are femdom, like the witch stories, and others are not in the book. Like this one, Valerie Wu, is not a femdom story. So you get the special treat of hearing this sexy story. And I hope you enjoy it. It's a very intriguing fetish. And Amber has a ton of work. She has so much work out there for sale on Amazon in book form, ebook, and audiobook. She has a website too. 
And she does write for commissions as well. So I'm going to put her links down in the podcast notes so that you can find out more about her if you enjoy her writing. She does a, she's an amazing writer and it's just very, very sexy and hot. The Magic and Abilities Collection, Volume 8, written by Amber Collins, narrated by Ruin Willow, copyright 2021 by Amber Collins. The Growth of Valerie Wu, Miles's Journal, 10-20-21. I got to meet Valerie Wu today. During my layover, I was told to expect a tall girl who would only get taller as the weeks went by. If the data was reliable, I'd entered a small room, much like an interrogation room, and waited. And when they finally did bring her to me, it was almost subtle enough to miss. She was a tall girl, but nothing that warranted all of the security and red tape. I stood, meeting the Asian girl at the door as two uniformed men brought her in. She appeared to be the same size as me, six feet, but perhaps an inch or two shorter. This wasn't anything out of the ordinary, just out of the ordinary for her. She hadn't been this size for long. She was finding the scale odd, perhaps disorienting. Valerie Wu, I said. I'm Miles Perkins. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too, she said, and allowed me to lead her to the desk. I waved off the uniform, but one of them, a man with Name Riley on his patch, insisted on staying. One of us has to always be present when she's with a specialist. Okay, I said and shut the door. She wasn't violent, only curious, but I was here to make sure that her curiosity didn't blossom into anything undesirable. Can I ask you a few questions? I know you've probably answered them all a hundred times, but it would help bring me up to speed. Sure, she said, and took a sip from the water sitting in front of her. Perhaps it was the size of the cup, or perhaps even my own imagination. But I thought it looked tinier than it should have. Then again, I was primed to see an abnormally large girl. So far, she wasn't it, although she was strikingly beautiful with her sleek black hair, slanted eyes, and sharp chin. What is your normal height? I'm five foot two, she said, rolling her eyes. And what is it right now? Six foot even, although that could have changed by now. They haven't measured me this morning. She turned to Riley and said, I'm taller than you now, huh, big guy? I turned back to the uniformed guard, and he was trying to stifle a smile, but his red face gave it all away. Yeah, you're definitely taller than me now. Val had been here for two weeks, and she'd already grown accustomed to the routines and the staff, and she was getting bored and frustrated by her lack of socializing. So tell me what happened. Start at the beginning, I said. Val had been here for two weeks, and she'd already grown accustomed to the routines and staff. So tell me what happened. Start at the beginning, I said. She shrugged. I started to notice my clothes weren't fitting right, 
it's fall, yeah? So you eat more and exercise less. But then it wasn't just the clothes. My shoes weren't fitting, nor were my rings and bracelets. Hell, even tampons felt weird. And how did you figure out what was really happening? She gripped the cup, and again, I thought it looked unusually small. I was watching television, and one of the characters, this kid, was talking about growth spurts. I knew I'd been five foot two since middle school, so I thought, what the hell? I went and measured myself, and sure enough, I was taller. I didn't write anything down. It was all being recorded. I'd already been told that Val wasn't comfortable when people took notes. So what happened after that? I asked. I'd almost forgotten Riley was standing behind me, so quiet and still he'd become. This was during the college semester, so I was away from mom and dad. I took myself to the doctor. They ran all sorts of tests, but no one could find any answers. I would have been content to just let it go, but it wouldn't let me go. I kept on growing. And you got to be over six feet tall. She nodded and took another drink, her pouty lips moist and inviting. I shook the idea from my head as she continued. I was five foot nine when I went back to the doctor two weeks later. They hospitalized me so they could run even more tests because now it was weird enough that specialists were flying from all over the country to poke and prod me. I was a freak, to use some unkind nurse's words. I shook my head. You're not a freak. I think you're great. That made her blush, and she hid her smile behind the cup. Thank you. I feel like it, but I'm sure you've read the rest of the story. That's when I was asked to come here, wherever here is. Can you tell me the name of this place? A lot of the information was kept from Val, mostly because she didn't need to know it but also because this facility was part of a highly secretive branch of the U.S. government. No one could ever know that we were hidden away two miles beneath the Appalachian Mountains. It's called the Pelican Station. You're underground, but I figure you knew that because there are no windows. Yeah, so do you live here? I do now, I said. Just arrived. I'll be your new best friend. <laughs> she laughed and adjusted in her seat. When we heard it groan, both of us looked at each other and went pale. We were waiting on her weight to smash it to pieces, but she wasn't big enough. Not yet, anyway. I like that, she said. I moved past that familiarity. So tell me, Val, how are you feeling? No sickness? The shots they give you? Do they make your mouth dry? I wasn't briefed on her medical records, but I knew they were giving her something to relax. It's not so bad. At least the food is good. Can't get barbecue chicken like that back on campus. We always make sure you're fed. Do you need anything else? She smirked. I would like to go for a walk outside. She knew that was out of the question. I grinned back. Maybe one day. But that was a complete lie. 
Miles' journal, 10-22-21. We kept Val sedated for most of the day because she was growing irritable. It's her time of the month, and I try to stay clear during moments like that. I can remember how it was with my wife. A female nurse will shadow her for the next few days, and although that is only the first cycle I've had with Val, I'm sure the others will be just as bad. By the time she makes it to the next one, she'll probably be three times the size she is now, which is just over six feet tall. As I stated in my previous entry, my name is Miles Perkins, and I'm one of the employees at the Pelican Station, situated two miles beneath the Appalachian Mountains, West Virginia. If we're being exact, there's a whole team of 200 people here whose entire existence is to monitor and understand Valerie. Some of them are nutritionists, psychologists, and doctors. We care for her, but we also try to learn what's made her grow. And although I'm not entirely sure, some of us are here to take that power away from her. Val wouldn't care. The bigger she gets, the more she wants to contact her parents. The more she wants to go outside and breathe the fresh air. That's where I come in. Before the Pelican Station hired me, I wasn't a doctor or scientist or health expert. I'm not even housekeeping. No. My job before Val was with the NYPD, and I was a crisis negotiator. I was brought in to be her friend, and, should she become a danger to herself or others, talk her down off the ledge. I'd been given a tour of the facility, and it was frighteningly equipped, almost as if they expected there would be a growing girl who would someday live there. Most of the pelican was empty space meant to eventually house Val. When I was first shown the stadium-sized paddock 8, I couldn't fathom that she would get so big. I was assured that she probably wouldn't. But they were taking every precaution. The workshop on the opposite end of the facility would furnish her apartment to whatever specifications were needed. So far, Val's growth was a mystery. They'd run all the tests they could, but simply couldn't understand a pattern. She grew at random times to random sizes, almost as if her mood was the catalyst for it. I visited her the next morning after our first meeting and brought her food, chicken pot pie made on site. When I entered the room, with a uniformed guard standing just outside, she was reading across her bed feet propped up on the wall. She was starting to outgrow this room, and I was told that they were already preparing her next one, Paddock 2. She sat up as I entered, pulling earbuds out of her ears. Her eyes drifted down to her music player as if embarrassed. Guess I better listen to this now, huh? These things eventually won't fit in my ears. You act like it's a definite that you'll get huge, I said, pulling up a chair. She rotated and put her feet on the floor, just as I sat down, only a few inches away from her and the bed. She shrugged. I don't know why it started. I don't see any reason why it would stop. I couldn't argue that point. I changed the subject. Do you have any other family besides your parents? No boyfriend? <laughs> She chuckled. No, not anymore. 
Do you have a wife? It was such an odd left field question that I failed to answer for a few seconds. But finally, I matched her answer. No, not anymore. Valerie was a sweet girl, but we had little in common. I was about six years older than her, so any time our conversation turned to anything pop culture, it was like playing phone tag. Neither of us could understand what the other was talking about. We kept conversation light, but that didn't hide the fact that there was a chemistry there. It started on day one and grew alongside the girl. What size shoe do you wear? She asked me, looking down at my boots. You're a tall guy. It almost felt like a jab. I'm in a size 11. You? She shrugged and crinkled her toes. Her feet were much larger than mine, despite her height only being a few inches more. I don't know. I haven't worn shoes in over two weeks. Do you want me to arrange a pair? She nodded. Yeah, something comfortable, but also something nice. Then she placed her heel on my knee, and I was staring at her smooth, yet long sole. Bigger than yours, though, huh? I think so, I told her, surprised by the weight of her foot. She only left it there for a moment, perhaps feeling odd. I stood, bringing my hands down to hide the sudden tent I was pitching in my hands. I should go. We'll talk soon, okay? Can you bring a game or something next time? I've watched almost all of the DVDs they gave me. Do you want more DVDs? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our special offer, go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. <laughs> spring clean your 
groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. I asked, but I failed to grasp her true desire. Oh, yeah. I'll try to bring something to play. Take it easy, Val. She stood, towering over me, and walked to the door. There weren't many people taller than me, and certainly not any women. Her presence was looming, and I knew it would only get worse. Valerie's Journal, 102821. They told me that keeping a journal would be therapeutic, but I'm not sure I'll feel the same way when I can't even hold a pen. Even now, I can tell something is off because it's like there's a thin twig between my fingers. I suppose this is a good idea, though, since I go through long stretches without talking to someone. I'm currently seven feet tall. I've grown about an inch a day since Miles brought a checkers board in for us to play. It's not a big deal, but they told me that my next room is almost ready and that once I outgrow this one, I'll go there. Until I outgrow that one. Currently, my feet are hanging off the edge of the bed, but they don't consider that a big deal. And speaking of feet... Miles was curious to my actual size, so he brought me a ruler. Isn't that so sweet? It would have been even sweeter had it been a tape measure because my foot was longer than the 12 inches given on that little stick of wood. Still, I could use deductive reasoning and figure that my feet had grown to size 14s. They let me visit a courtyard in the center of the complex. If you close your eyes and pretend, you can imagine you're outside. I believe that place is for employees as much as it is me, because it's probably not healthy to stay underground for so long. But the courtyard mimics the outside, complete with high-up heat lamps to simulate sun, speakers that play nature sounds, and air that smells like a crisp summer afternoon. I was taller than everyone now, even the former Marine, Josh, who stood at a whopping six foot six. People stared at me when I walked by, but not him. For someone as big and imposing as Josh, this was like a slap in the face. I didn't understand that concept, that the bigger I became, the more inches I stripped from others. This wasn't my fault. Miles had dinner with me. We talked about a lot of things, from baseball to car prices. I didn't have a lot in common with him, but I did think he was cute. The second day we talked, it was clear he had a foot fetish because of the way he stiffened and the way his face turned red. I'm pretty sure he was hiding a raging hard-on, too. I miss coffee, I told him. They won't let you have it because they're afraid it will elevate your heart too much. That's silly. I can elevate my heart on my own. And then, to make a joke, she slid my fingers down until they were hovering over the shapeless, loose pants I'd been given. He didn't seem to react. Perhaps I was being too forward, and he didn't know what to say. I'll see what I can do. Maybe decaf or something. Ugh. 
she said. Might as well not even drink it. There was a cart by the door that Miles used to bring in our food trays and drinks, and when we were done, we both stood together. He moved forward so that he could turn around, and we ended up slamming into each other. It wasn't a big deal. My breasts are growing slightly disproportionate to my body, so there's lots of cushion. But it embarrassed him, and he looked up at me with a sheepish grin that wanted to say he was sorry, but couldn't form the words. It's okay, don't mention it, I said, and stooped down to kiss him. I meant it to only be a peck, a friendly acceptance that I didn't care that he'd touched me. But it ended up being so much more. I kissed him, a good one and he brought his hand up, ready to stroke my cheek, but I pulled it away, remembering we were probably being watched. Yeah, he said and touched his lips as if they were tingling. So, I'll talk to you soon, okay? I hope so, I told him, and meant it. I was so incredibly lonely, and the kiss didn't help matters much. Valerie's Journal, ten twenty nine twenty one. The growth spurts tickle. I can tell when I'm having one a few minutes before they happen. If I stand in one place, I can feel them rocking my body as if a current of electricity is jolting me. This whole thing has become an endeavor of strange feelings and sensations. My skin often feels like it is crawling because the growth spurts are not the only way I'm getting bigger. I am constantly stretching. That's the only way I can explain it, although I've never told a soul about it. If I concentrate hard enough, I can feel my skin spreading out. I can feel the tickle of garments as they slip past me. Sometimes I'll wear shoes and my toes will gently press into the ends until they become uncomfortable. Vertigo has become an issue and I imagine it will only get worse. I'm not used to being anything but five foot two inches tall. My idea of where the ground should be is very cemented in my brain. So when I walk through a room or hop off the sofa and look down, I have a momentary fear that I'm standing on a ledge about to fall off. And the ground is just going to keep getting further and further away. Miles' journal, 103121. It's Halloween. Val has had a few growth spurts in the past days, and now she's standing at around 7 feet and 4 inches tall. None of the doorways in her paddock are tall enough to accommodate her, and the bed has grown too small to be comfortable. But the main issue has become her toilet, because she can't sit on it properly. The decision was made by Dr. Broderick, the top researcher in the Pelican, to move her on to paddock 2. I helped with the move, but I didn't come along. Since this was the first time she was going to be experiencing an upscaled paddock, the psychologist thought we should do all we could to make it normal. So we brought a designer who'd already checked out her clothes back home and made replicas and even a few new creations to make her feel less like a freak. It was funny seeing the designer carry four pairs of shoes, each looking like miniature boats. 
Val was wearing a size 16 as of that morning. Heels? I asked her as we stepped into the room. Why would you want heels? The uniform guards were waiting outside. It was just me and the mousy designer. Why would I not? She asked and pulled the shoes off the pile of neatly folded clothes in the designer's arms. Then she grabbed a sequenced mini skirt and held it out, eyes sparkling alongside the garment. This is beautiful. She placed her pretty things on the bed and then, as if the room were empty, started to get undressed. I caught sight of her large, dark nipples before I whipped around alongside the designer and faced the door. You guys are so lame, she said a moment later. You can turn around. I wasn't expecting her height, nor her beauty. The dress accented her curves nicely, curves that hadn't been there when she'd been normal-sized. I'd already talked to the researcher, and they said she was experiencing slight body shaping, but nothing severe. The beauty was secondary when I peered down because her feet looked simply massive, now standing atop four-inch heels that put her closer to eight feet than seven. Wow, you look splendid, I said and meant it. She beamed and licked her lips. So, I guess we're moving to the new place? Yeah, I said, still fuzzy-headed from her appearance. She headed to the door, and I couldn't help but notice her beautiful ass so close to me. It would be so simple to grab, but I showed restraint, at least for now. Valerie's Journal, 103121. As we stepped out into the hallway, I was greeted by a collection of friendly faces, staff members who'd lined the wall to watch me walk from my old room to my new one. Almost everyone on hand had a part in the creation of my new quarters. As the custom-made furnishings were quite an endeavor, I heard they were currently making a hundred-foot bed. Every eye in the hallway was on me. I'd never been beautiful before. Sure, I was token because I was Asian and therefore exotic, but I'd never gotten attention like this. But at the end of the hallway, after sweeping past their stairs, I realized it was because I was a freak. It had nothing to do with beauty. Maybe for miles, but... Not for the rest. I ducked down to clear the doorway and entered my next space. And for once in almost a month, I felt small. The room was sized slightly bigger than what I needed. Although I couldn't be sure, I thought the bed, now elevated two feet off the ground, looked ready to accommodate a ten-foot-tall Valerie. It would be nice to spread out instead of feeling cramped. Other than the scale, there were no differences. This was by design. They never said it, but I'm pretty sure the idea was to trick my brain into thinking that everything was normal. This was the same bed, the same living area, the same toilet, the same blue toothbrush, only it wasn't. It was all bigger. 
Miles helped me to put my new garments into the closet, and then we were treated to a late lunch. We sat across from each other, eating the best pizza I'd ever had in my life. This place was good, but I couldn't help but think that they were simply dangling nice things in front of me in hopes that I wouldn't notice I was a prisoner. I tried not to dwell on that fact. This wasn't exactly an alien autopsy. Other than a few blood tests and bone density scans, they preferred to watch me like some wild animal in its habitat. It was amazing to watch this cute man become smaller and smaller. He was probably the alpha dog in his real life, but had probably never come in contact with a girl taller than him. But now, he was sitting across from the biggest, leggiest, most imposing female the world had ever known. I was enjoying him, and I think he was enjoying me. I'd not forgotten the kiss, and somehow... I wanted more. Miles's journal, 11-12-21. Valerie isn't growing as expected. The researchers have been able to track her program, but each time they make an assumption, they're wrong. It's almost as if she knows how to control it and is playing with them for the sake of ruining their data. She's been seven feet and four inches for days. I realized it had been a whole day since I'd talked to her because I spent most of my time in my quarters under quarantine. We have the flu in the Pelican, and several staff have come down with it and are working remotely from their rooms. Since I'm considered non-essential, and because Val hasn't been aggressive, I was asked to spend time in my room, letting the virus run its course. But it was late, and the whole facility was quiet. Most everyone worked a nine-to-five shift, with the exception of emergency services and kitchen staff, should Valerie get hungry. When I walked from my wing of the facility to hers, I only passed two guards, and there were none outside her room. Between the virus and the skeleton crew, not many people were working. This was also because Valerie asked for privacy at night. One of the researchers guessed she wanted to sleep in peace. I knew better. The look in her eyes told me that she was sexually frustrated. She was using the nighttime to take care of her needs. I wasn't sure why I wanted to visit her, other than to make contact and let her know someone out there still cared. But as I slid my keycard into the slot by her door and then pushed my way in, I knew something was different. The air was charged, almost as if I could sense the power that was making her grow. Her bed was directly back from the doorway, and when I entered, the motion lights in the living room came on. It made her stir, and I could see her hand drop from the bed and touch the floor. The sleeve of her pajama top was pulled back halfway up her forearm, taut enough to cut the circulation off. As I came closer, she rolled over and her feet were nearly touching the ends of the bed. Valerie had gone from no growth spurts to having a rather large one. With her on her side, it was difficult to tell just how much of one. She began to stir as I came closer, her eyelids fluttering awake, a smile creeping across her face. As she yawned, she sat up, realizing something was off. 
realizing that I was smaller than I should have been. When she was sitting on the edge of the bed, one breast exposed because the button up top had split down the middle. I knew I needed to call someone. I pulled out my walkie-talkie, the only means of communication allowed in the pelican, but she held out her hands and said, No, wait. I hovered a finger above the trigger. Let's just see it for a moment, okay? Before you call it in. Okay, I told her, not seeing the harm. It was after midnight. No one was coming. The inside cameras were off, as per her request. And now she slid off the bed and stood. And now I felt I was in the company of a true goddess. Before I could say anything, she gave herself a stretch, popping the remaining buttons on her shirt. They flew away like popcorn, but I didn't see them. I was too fixed on her breasts, which were now slightly above my head. Her eyes never left mine as she slithered out of the shirt, revealing her perfect shoulders and stomach. How tall do you think I am? she asked. Let's find out. I said, and told her to go stand in the middle of the room. I went to the coffee table in the living room and pulled out the tape measure I'd left the last time I was here. Then I dragged one of the bistro chairs next to her and stood on it. After feeding the tape to the ground, she used one of her long slender toes to hold it down. What's the damage? She said, eyeing the receptacle and my hand as I placed it next to her scalp. You're nine feet and two inches, I said. Holy shit, Val. I stepped off the chair, my eyes falling to the right V-shape forming at her crotch. Although the pants didn't shred, they were still incredibly tight, and I could tell she was uncomfortable. I guess I should tell someone. I said and started out. Wait, Miles, please. I turned around just as she used her big fingers to rip the pants down the middle. She wasn't wearing any panties. Now I was staring at a fully nude woman, just over nine feet tall. She was like a living statue, and I could tell by the smirk on her face that she wanted me to see her. That she wanted me to touch her. Val, I can't. We'd get in so much trouble. They'd probably remove me from the project. The project? You know. You, I'd be reassigned. I didn't know I was a project, she said, making her air quotes around the word. She bent over, her ass looking glorious in the dim light, and scooped up the scraps of her pants. Then she stormed into the bedroom. I'm sorry, Val. Don't be mad. It's fine. Good night, Miles, she said, and I felt bad because as much as she wanted me to touch her, I wanted to touch her even more. Maybe one night, I thought. But when I finally did get brave enough, how big would she be then? Valerie's Journal, 11-18-21 Men come in and run all sorts of tests now. 
When they take my blood, it's easy to see how my strength has increased. Sometimes, when I ball up my fist, I make their needles shoot across the room. They take saliva samples and do nose swabs, both uncomfortable, but they say it's to see if my DNA is changing. But whenever they get near me with those things, I react and sometimes knock a man off balance. My body is starting not to feel like my own. Although it will take some time to outgrow this paddock, I still feel out of sorts when I move around. Sometimes the coffee table isn't where I expect it to be, and I'll bump into it with my shin. Other times, I'll almost walk into the doorway as if my peripheral vision is off. But the one thing I didn't count on was how I liked the feeling of my clothes getting tighter. Often, I would wear the smallest of the group. The garments I was meant to shed early on in a paddock's lifespan. I'd sit on the sofa or stretch out on the bed and just listen to my pants groan. I'd listen to my buttons start to pull snug, the fibers threatening to tear. It was even arousing to see it happen. I was watching television in a pair of jeans that were far too tight. I ran my fingers down the thighs and couldn't feel the slightest crease. I was stuck inside them. From the beginning of the movie, I'd picked some animated thing about dogs. To the end, my body had filled them out in such a way that lines were appearing. The weakest places in the fabric were appearing, and subtly my flesh was starting to rip through. When I bent my legs, they shredded completely. It was intoxicating, and I wondered if it would continue to feel this way. Valerie's Journal, 11 21 It's getting harder to hold pens now. I've been flirting with Miles, but he doesn't seem to be interested. I think this has more to do with job integrity than how much he likes me. We have great chemistry, better than anyone else in the whole place. Most of them stay away from me, but I'm visited by Dr. Roderick now quite often. He says he's writing a publication about me. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but it does make him come into my quarters a lot. My privacy is starting to vanish. He wants to know if I can control the growth, and I keep telling him no. I said that if I could control it, I would break my way out and breathe a little fresh air. That made him jot something down in his ledger, and then he disappeared for two days. The next time Miles visited me, I was standing at nine feet and nine inches tall. I could pick him up if I wanted, although I wouldn't try it without his permission. As much as Miles wanted me to trust him, I wanted him to trust me even more. I needed human interaction. To be blunt, I needed to be fucked. I'm not sure how that would even work now, but I did know this. It would work out even less if I got much bigger. They're really scratching their heads over you, he said one morning as we had breakfast. I loved eggs, and they were scrambling ten of them to keep me fed. Oh, yeah? 
growth trajectories not what they expect? He shook his head. Between you and me, can you actually control it? I was shocked he'd even ask it. I kept nothing from Miles. Of course not, I promise. If I can, it's subconsciously. They're working around the clock to get paddock three and four ready for you. The size you are today, they didn't expect you to hit until after the new year. Sorry to disappoint, I said and popped an egg into my mouth. Oh, I don't think they're disappointed. In fact, they wanted me to convince you to do something. I raised an eyebrow at this, not liking the way his voice cracked as he eased into asking. Go on. Roderick wants to try a few additional tests. They won't hurt, but they might be uncomfortable. What do you say? Help us understand what's happening to you. I considered it for a moment. I didn't like the idea of men prodding me, but it wasn't any different than the stuff females go through at routine doctor's appointments. But I guess this was the perfect opportunity to leverage a little something from Miles. I'll do it, on one condition. Which is? I looked past him to see if one of the guards was standing out in the hall. When I thought it was clear, I lowered my voice and said, Come visit me tonight. And then I gave him a sly little wink. My arm reached beneath the table and squeezed his knee. It was shocking enough to make him jerk, banging his leg and rattling the glasses. Um, counter condition, he said, which I rolled my eyes. Go through with the test in the morning, and then tomorrow night, I'll come see you to make it all better. I wasn't sure if he meant that in a flirtatious way or not, but I was going to take the bait one way or another, so I agreed. We finished breakfast, and as I popped in the last few bites of bacon into my mouth, I could feel my fingers subtly stretching on the fork. I rested my hand on the table, still holding the utensil, watching as I slowly inched bigger. Miles didn't seem to notice, and I didn't mention it. Miles's journal, 11-20-21. Valerie grew a little overnight. She was just one inch from ten feet tall. The researchers expected this, so when they came to take her to the lab for the test, housekeeping entered Paddock 2 and moved her clothes to her new home, Paddock 3. She could still fit most of the garments, although the dress she wore that morning was probably meant to hit her knees, not her mid-thighs. Still, she looked beautiful, with her hair fixed and her feet in large ballet flats. The researchers told her that she wouldn't need shoes, so she kicked them aside and followed them down the hall. Many of the places on the way to the lab were low enough that her hair brushed the ceiling. Some of the doorways required her to stoop to go through, but at the end of the hallway, they led her into a large chamber with a machine that looked like a CAT scan, only scaled up to accommodate a 10-foot-tall woman. Just in front of it was a gurney, also her size. 
I stood with Roderick in the opposite side of the pane of glass while the researchers helped her to get on the gurney and lie back. Then six of them wheeled her so that her head was within the halo of the machine. What's going to happen? I asked the man. I'm working on the theory that her growth is carried through her cells the same way electrical currents travel through the body. You think? You think electricity makes her grow? Well, not exactly, no. I believe that her growth has the same electrical patterns in the body, and I think we can mimic that. What exactly are you going to do? I asked. But he lost interest in the conversation, just as one of the researchers on the other side banged on the glass to confirm they were ready. I was shocked and horrified to see Valerie strapped to the gurney, a leather band across her brow to keep her head down. The halo part of the machine had electrodes in the middle, and one of the researchers wheeled another set to hang just below her feet. I had an awful feeling about this. Roderick flipped a few switches on the console in front of us, then slowly turned a large knob to the left. That's when Val started to buck off the gurney. I could see her eyes clamped shut, could see her mouth in a deep grimace. Her hands were balled into fists as she struggled to get free. The belts were holding her down, but the gurney was starting to bounce from her pain and surprise. Stop that! I told Broderick, but he didn't acknowledge me. Instead, he turned to the researcher next to him, a man inspecting a top-down video of the giantess. He said, Anything? To which the researcher shook his head. Broderick looked defeated. But rather than give up, he turned the knob again. Now I could hear the sound of the electricity jolting Valerie. She cried out, and her back arched off the gurney, her big, perky breast toward the ceiling. I could see her shaking now. Her hands had relaxed because she was almost unconscious. Really? I said. Is this necessary? She's in a lot of pain. Nothing, sir, said the researcher. Again, Roderick acted as if he didn't hear me. But at least he turned the knob in the other direction, and Valerie whimpered as the electric jolts died away. He looked so upset, so irritated that his work wasn't panning out as he'd expected. Finally, he did turn to me. Go in there and take her back to her room. She trusts you. And as an added precaution, he handed me a nine millimeter one of the ones with a yellow barrel to indicate it was loaded with tranquilizer darts. I don't need that, I told him. Just do what you can to put her at ease, said Roderick. And he picked up his clipboard and stormed out. I went through the partition and could hear her sobs. The gurney was just level with me, and I reached up and put a hand on her shin. She startled at that but quickly calmed because I think she realized it was me. Her sobs dried up, and she looked down at me, her eyes glassy from crying. I want to go home, she said in a pathetic small voice. I know you do, I said, but let's start by getting you back to your room. 
She nodded as I circled and started to loosen the belts. I didn't like being part of this process. I felt compliant. But either way, I freed her and put my hand beneath her shoulders to help her sit up, knowing that I offered little in the way of assistance. Val gave the men in the hallway a cold eye as I put my arm around her and walked. Because of our size difference, my arm fell somewhere around her waist, but she kept her own arm tucked in so she could hold me there. This close, she smelled wonderful. She was trembling, but the closer we got to her new paddock, the less it became. As we entered her new quarters, I was worried that the charge would affect her. This place was scaled up greatly, even by her current standards. I felt like I'd shrunken down because everything was more than double my size. The room was ready to accept a 15-foot Valerie. In the bedroom, I spied a giant toilet through the bathroom door, and by the closet, there were four perfect rows of shoes, heels, flats, running, and flips. Each type had six different sizes, scaling up until she reached 15 feet tall and sported a foot of about 27 inches. The bed was high and currently had a metal staircase on the side because even an almost 10-foot woman had trouble climbing up it. I helped her up them then stood on the end of the bed while she crawled up the headboard. She looked minuscule in comparison, but that would change eventually. As she settled against the pillow, she said, Don't go. Stay with me a little while. I crawled up behind her and got comfortable, then draped my arm around her, feeling her ragged breathing, feeling her shaking. We didn't talk a lot about what happened. I think she was embarrassed to cry in front of me, and I was embarrassed to be a part of the project. I would have to talk to Roderick later on. This wasn't what I'd signed up for. We lay that way for a little while, and once she was under control, she rolled back over. Our eyes met, and it was disconcerting by the size difference. Hers were little white orbs with dots of brown, and I could see every vein in them twitch. But this only lasted a moment because then she was kissing me, her lips feeling much different than before. Her tongue filled my mouth, and I just let her do what she wanted. Val rose off the pillow so she was directly over me. Her weight was incredible, but she took great care not to hurt me. She realized our size difference was an issue. She came in again, dragging her tongue across my neck and my chest, and I instantly felt a stirring in my pants. Her hand played with my shirt, but rather than undo the buttons, her fingers crept down, and once they were over my dick, she gave a little squeeze. There was such power in her big hand, and I knew she could rip it off if she saw fit. She fell back on her haunches and licked her lips and smiled. Want a blowjob? she asked. My heart skipped a beat. I eagerly nodded. She grinned and reached down to my pants, large fingers fumbling with the belt. I loved to watch because it wasn't like anything I'd ever experienced before.
I was a little worried she'd be disappointed. I was average size, but that was contingent on an average sized woman. She pulled back my underwear and lifted out my dick, then gave it a few test strokes. Her hand was so big that I disappeared inside it. However, she quickly found her rhythm, using all but her index finger to jack. Then she adjusted herself on the bed again, draped an arm on the other side of my body, and descended on my cock. Her mouth was so warm and wet that I barely noticed that it was also wide and deep. She had no trouble deep-throating me. I didn't come anywhere near her throat. Her face was enormous, her head crossing my entire body as if I were a large doll. She put an oversized hand on my stomach and started to bob up and down, gently at first. But she picked up speed, forming a tight lock with her big, pouty lips. My eyes were rolling back into my head, and I knew it wouldn't take long before I was shooting my load. Hey, I said and tugged gently at her locks. She slowed down for just a moment to give me a quizzical look. They're going to get me off. That's a point, right? Ah, but I won't be able to. Fuck me? She finished and laughed. (laughs) Her breath was warm across my dick. You won't be able to do that with this, darling, but it's okay. She squeezed my dick and went back to work. After she said that, I relaxed and let myself go. She continued to suck, continued to get me drenched with her saliva. And when my stomach muscles began to seize, she let out a tiny happy moan and gave my thigh a squeeze. Finally, I shot my load and I felt her tongue lashing at my head, licking up every drop. She knew what she was doing, but I'm sure she was also aided by the size difference. When she was done, she rocked back on her haunches and looked at me. Not bad, huh? She said and wiped her mouth with her fingers. Valerie's Journal, 11-20-21 to 11-21-21. He stayed for most of the night. I was distraught from the weird experience, but I won't lie. I was putting on a little because I enjoyed his company so much. The way to a man's heart is always a blow job. At least that's what I learned in college. I wanted more, but I was going to go slow. Maybe tomorrow he'd get a chance to repay me. We measured my growth, but there was none. If the crazy man with the electricity had meant to shock a few inches out of me, it didn't work. I was still the same size and remained the same size throughout the whole day. But it was still a good difference. And although the world looked a little large in this new room, the man I was sharing it with was absolutely minuscule. I loved being rough with him, but in a playful way. Whenever we talked or moved through the apartment, I put my hands on him, sometimes pushing him against the wall so I could lean down and 
kiss him. My breasts were so large now that it was difficult to push them to the side so I could meet his lips. He loved my size, and I made a game of bending over so he could rub my ass and smack it. And although we couldn't have sex, we still made out quite a bit. It hadn't occurred to us yet that there were workarounds for traditional fucking. At the end of the night, we took a joint shower together, and he dropped to one knee so he could go down on me. This required me to put my back against the wall and slide down a bit. I could tell he didn't know what to do with such a giant pussy. But his little tongue and warm breath managed to get me off rather quickly. Miles was also interested in my hands and feet. And we finished the night watching a DVD on my projection television. I put my soles in his lap so that he could rub them. He could lay his hands flat against them and still have space all around his fingers. I loved his touch so much. Before bed, I was changing into my pajamas, and I thought he was about to tell me it was time for him to go. I enjoyed the whole day with him, and I didn't want it to end. But instead, he crept to my closet and pulled it open. There were four different outfits. That's all they gave me. But like the shoes, they each had variously sized counterparts. He pulled out a pair of jeans and a matching pink t-shirt and said, I bet you'd look great in this. And then to the floor with the flip-flops. Want a fashion show before bed? I asked him. Very much so, he said, and he climbed up into the chair by the door, looking very much like a shrunken man. For the next 20 minutes, I modeled my new clothes. At this size, I was between outfits, so they were either a little too snug or a little too loose. He loved the added height the heels gave me, bringing me up past 10 feet tall. I even brought the platform down between his legs, and he blushed as he looked at the toe cleavage just before him. After he saw me in casual and formal wear, I had a little fun and tried on the biggest set of clothes. The shirt and jeans were meant for a 15-foot woman. Obviously, they were a loose fit, but it was comical to see the legs pooling around the oversized flips. And it was funny trying to keep the shirt up without it slipping past my shoulders. Miles had a great time, but I changed back into my pajamas. If I'd been smart and perhaps had a bit of foresight, I would have kept on the bigger clothes, although they wouldn't matter this time. Miles stayed the night wrapping his tiny body around mine beneath the covers. I gave off a lot of heat, and the room's automated air conditioning came on in response. I closed my eyes and drifted off to sleep. But that's when the weird dream came. In it, I was outside, the wind whipping through my hair. I looked down and I was naked. But that wasn't what caught my attention. My feet were hidden beneath a cloud of smoke and fire, and as I started to step away, I noticed tiny buildings shaking and then falling under the concussive blasts of my feet. Somehow, I'd grown bigger, much bigger. People were screaming. Sirens were wailing. 
and the distant hum of helicopters could be heard. The strangest part of all was that I didn't care. In fact, I kind of liked it. I felt my clothes growing tight, but then I remembered that I wasn't wearing any in the dream. My thighs felt constricted, as did my breasts before the buttons popped out and went flying. None of these feelings made sense to me, and then I felt something grab my arm and start to shake. But that also didn't make sense. My eyes flew open, and I was back in the room, the darkness casting me in a cloudy haze. Wake up, Val, said Miles behind me, but something about it was odd. I rolled over and heard him yelp as he lost his balance, and then, by the light of the living room, I could see his outline there on the bed next to me. And he was much smaller. I looked down at my naked body, naked because I'd shredded through the clothes. My feet were touching the end of the bed, my knees bending to give me room. How big was I? This was weird and scary, and I couldn't help but move past the little man and stand up. The motion lights caught my flailing arms and flared on. I squinted in the sudden light, and the tiny man put hands over his face, complete awe over the growing woman. I knew that none of the shoes or clothes would fit. My hand brushed the ceiling, and then I sat down, watching as my toes lengthened, as my arms and legs got thicker. Miles slithered off the bed, using the stairs to reach the floor. He stood just in front of me, becoming more doll-sized by the minute. When the weird wave of vertigo finished passing over me, I knew my growing had come to a stop. He hurried and threw on his clothes and then said, I have to call someone, okay? This time, I agreed with him. Miles's journal, eleven twenty-one twenty-one. Down the hall was a guard station. I was able to put the facility on high alert, not because Fal was a problem, but because she'd had a growth spurt that was quite unexpected. A high alert status would ensure all required personnel answered their summons and came to check on our special guest. When I made it back to the room, Val met me at the door. Her head was pushing through. I need to go back in and wait, I told her. I want to go in the courtyard so I can stand, she told me, and then crawled past because the halls wouldn't allow her to be upright. A long line of guards and staff followed along, doing their best to keep them from staring at her naked ass, as she put one hand in front of the other. When she reached the courtyard, she stood, and a collective gasp went through those standing below. I wrestled my way through the crowd and stood at her leg. I was looking directly at her knee, and if I had to guess, I would say she almost doubled in size from before we went to sleep. Standing ahead of me was a twenty-foot goddess. I could barely see her face because of her breasts, and it reminded me that I needed to take a step back because if I couldn't see her, she couldn't see me. Those long feet, probably measuring 36 inches or so, 
would certainly hurt if I found my way beneath them. She didn't seem to mind the attention. Everyone in the room was staring up at her naked body, waiting for the important medical staff who were in bed and across the facility to show up and tell everyone what to do. I could see the tiny grin on Val's face as she surveyed the congregation. She was loving the size, loving the power that came with it. I suddenly found my tiny role vital to her well-being. It wouldn't take much to set her off in the wrong direction. And the only thing more terrifying than a giant woman was an angry giant woman. Finally, Roderick pushed his way through and stood next to me, looking up at the giantess with awe in his eyes. He pulled off his glasses and raised a hand intent on stroking her leg. Don't you touch me, she growled and took a step back. The high glass dome, which housed the synthetic sunlights, vibrated against her fury. Roderick took a step back and held his arms out in a non-threatening way. He turned to me and whispered, Take her to her room and see if you can coax a blood sample out of her. I'll make sure they add a little something to help her sleep. Okay, I said, hating that I was always caught in the middle. Come on, I said loud enough so she could hear me. I'd already been briefed on paddock four through eight. They hadn't anticipated such a growth spurt, so her new home was scaled almost perfectly with her body. They thought it was going to be like last time, and she would transition while it was still dwarfing her twelve, perhaps fifteen-foot body. Each time I enter one of her new rooms, I'm taken aback by the scale. It's like I'm visiting another planet. The room was identical to the last one, only scaled up for a 20-foot woman. This time, there were only three different shoes and outfit options. And the last pair of heels I could sit inside of as if it were a car. It just keeps getting crazier and crazier, huh? She said and sat down on the bed. If I hunched, I could walk beneath it. With her sitting... I was directly at her kneecaps, her giant feet flanking me. She slid to the edge of the mattress, so I could see her womanhood, now big enough to receive one of my limbs. Yeah? How do you feel? Just light, if that makes sense. My body is blowing up like a balloon. What do you think of my new size? She brought her foot up and rubbed it across my stomach. Her toes could reach from one side of my torso to the other. She smelled divine. I like it. It's a little intimidating. Good, she said, and laid back on the bed, spreading her arms out. Without looking, she used her foot to bat my legs apart, then put it between them. I leaned over as she lifted me off the ground, and now I was straddling her. When her knee was locked and her leg was level, she propped herself up on her elbows and stared at me. Climb up, and I'll give you a treat, she said, and rubbed a hand across her glistening pussy. I was still big enough 
to be heavy, and her legs started to shake from supporting my weight. I crawled up. I couldn't balance at this size, but I'm sure I would one day. She giggled as I scaled her, keeping her shin between my legs and pulling myself along a few inches at a time. When I finally did reach her pussy, her hand came down and shoved my face right into it. She was so wet and inviting, and I tried to kiss, but her hand was too firm. I felt rug burn on my face as I struggled to get free. Finally, she relented, and I sat up, wiping my chin. Her strength was scary sometimes, and I didn't think she understood that. Val's hand came down, and she wrapped it around my back, having no trouble gripping me like a large doll. Then she moved us up to the head of the bed, where she could swipe her long legs down to have more room. She spread them open and gently released me, as if to say, do whatever you want. I repositioned myself between her legs, using my tiny hands to bat her thighs apart. She giggled and relaxed. I looked up at her, across the span of her upending stomach, to her breasts and face. She was so beautiful, and seemed to only grow in beauty, with every change in size. I went back to work, burying my face inside her slit. At this size, I was small enough to fit almost my entire head in, but I didn't want to make her uncomfortable. So I licked and kissed and finally grew brave enough to use my arm. Her entire body tensed when she realized what I was doing, but I went slow. And when she relaxed, I pushed my arm into her love tunnel. It wasn't a tight fit. I could have probably used a leg, but thought we'd start easy and slow. When my arm was in up to the shoulder, I started to kiss her again, and she let out little moans that were sprinkled with giggles. It was easy to tell when she was about to get off. Her heat increased. I was sweating because it was like being pressed against a furnace. After that, her scent grew stronger, and finally, just as a vacuum of her muscles started to tug at me, she relaxed and blasted me away with her juices. The force was enough to knock me off balance, and I fell away laughing and coughing. Are you okay? She finally asked, and she gathered me up and pulled me toward her. She lay me on her breasts, and I could feel her heart thumping against mine. I'm good, I told her. I was very good. Valerie's Journal, 11-25-21 Since today is Thanksgiving, the staff is hosting a party on the other side of the facility. I only know about it because Miles is kind enough to talk to me. He's the only one on my side here. The doctors just want to probe me and find out why I'm growing. They rarely get to know the real me. I'm nothing more than charts and numbers to them. Still, for Miles' sake, I'm calm and cooperative. They take my blood, use these little laser things to scan me, and then one lucky person comes every few days to get stool and urine samples. Roderick never tried to electrocute me again. 
He knew better. I steadily grew after my big spurt. The day Miles and I finally had a little fun. I measured at 19 feet and 11 inches. Now, four days later, I'm standing at 21 feet and 6 inches. The growth is steadier now. But each time, the math whizzes try to come up with a trajectory, either speed up or slow down, and send their calculations back to square one. It's kind of funny. I don't mind being a science project as long as I'm an unpredictable one. It goes without saying that I'm not keeping a paper journal now. They give me a little box with a microphone that I can attach to my clothes. It picks up sound and starts recording whenever I talk. I'm not sure who will ever listen to it, but it's nice to feel like my story is out there. I'm not sure whatever I'm saying is being listened to, as all the data most likely saves to the cloud. My room was looking a little small now since I'd gained another foot in height. The bed forced me to sleep on my side, and the toilet wasn't snug beneath my bottom. I had shoes and clothes that fit, but I preferred to be barefoot and wear bigger sizes. This morning, I sat and watched television while wearing an oversized pair of pants and a button-up shirt. They brought me breakfast in, a mixing bowl-sized serving of eggs and hash browns. As I stared almost hypnotically at the parade on the screen, I felt the button on my pants start to dig into my stomach. I leaned back and unsnapped it, but noticed that the band around my waist was tighter. I left my fingers there, testing it, and if I concentrated hard enough, I could feel the material pushing out. My eyes fell to the floor to my large feet hanging from the ends of the pants. Slowly, my dark, smooth shins were starting to poke out, carrying my feet further away. I was growing, and I was watching it happen. It only lasted for a moment, and then it was finished. I wished that I knew how to control it. I would make myself gigantic, way bigger than I was at that moment. As my size increased, so too did my attitude. I hid a lot of it from miles, but I wasn't as content here as I was before. I'd been in this place for almost two months, and I was no closer to getting answers. If I asked when I could leave, if I could leave, they would always placate me with, it won't be much longer or just a few more tests and we'll be done. Right now, they could stop me. In a few weeks, maybe a month, I wouldn't have to stay if I didn't want to. My only reason for staying came by later that evening with a group of nutritionists. Miles was smiling broadly as he revealed the spread of food they'd cooked up just for me. There was turkey, chicken, ham, and all the sides you could imagine. I don't know how many birds they killed for this, but it was probably a whole farm. After the table was set, the staff left me and Miles alone. Our dinner was spread out across my coffee table, normal-sized for me, but half of a football court for my tiny man. He sat at one end, cross-legged, and ate from his lap. I picked at the large cauldrons of shredded turkey and chicken. Somehow, they always managed to get my serving size correct. 
This would be enough to fill me up and send me straight to sleep. Once we'd eaten and moved on to dessert, a chocolate pie that looked like a black swimming pool to Miles, I propped my feet up on the table next to him and we relaxed. I loved our time together, just the two of us. What will you do after this is over? I asked as he dug into the pie with his bare hands. After this assignment, I mean. He shrugged. Guess I'll go back home or they'll move me on to the next giant woman. He meant it as a joke, but it hurt my feelings. I didn't let him see it, though. Instead, I said, what's going to happen to me? Again, he shrugged. I don't have the answer to that. You know how unpredictable this thing can be. Hopefully, with all the tests and scans, they can figure out how to reverse it. To me, that was almost as bad as growing out of control. I rather liked my size now that I'd started to appreciate it. Being just over five feet for most of your adult life left you with feelings of inadequacy. I certainly turned heads now. I had an amazing body, and I finally had a man who wanted my attention, and whose attention I also needed. What will they do if I get too big to contain? I don't think that will happen, and I think we'll have notice. Remember, Paddock 8 is the size of a football stadium. You can be 200 feet tall in that place. I've not visited it in a while. But I heard they have your furniture ready to go. Can you imagine the shoes? I said. He nodded. I can, and I have. You could put me in them and fit me between your toes. I think you'd rather like that. I brought my foot over and gently massaged his chest with it. He leaned down and kissed my toe. Neither of us had the expectation that he stayed overnight. Whenever he did, which was more often than not, it was because we'd just finished having a little bedroom fun. But we'd never formally had the talk that he could move his things into my paddock. God knows there was room for him. That night, as I lay in bed alone, I awoke to a gentle prodding on my leg. I thought it was another dream at first. Would I wake up and be twice as big as before? I rolled over and heard voices at the bottom of the bed. When I sat up, a pair of men ducked down, attempting to hide beneath the edge of the bed. They were standing on a ladder, and both were wearing hazmat suits, as if I were putting off harmful radiation. Told you we didn't dose her enough. I heard one of them whisper. His partner jabbed him in the ribs, and now that he mentioned it, the room was spinning just a little bit. Before I could consider them, I looked at my ankle and found a band wrapped around it. Attached to the band was a little box with a blue light. It was tight, and as I moved my fingers down to pull it off, one of the men reached up and tried to shove me away. Don't touch it. We don't have it synced yet. But I didn't hear him. I noticed the pain before his words made sense. The other man had hit a button on his tablet. The blue light turned red, and I felt electricity coursing through my body. I threw my head back on the bed and screamed out. 
This made the man release the trigger, giving me a moment of clarity and painlessness. I took the opportunity to bound off the bed. However, I didn't realize that the first little man had climbed up to the band. My legs shot across the bed, intent on coming down on the floor, but I smacked the man right in the face. I could hear something crunch beneath my shin and knew that this was going to be bad. He fell to the floor and hit the floor with a thump, his arms never coming up to catch himself. The other man screamed out, but then he hit the button, and I felt my whole body racking with pain all over again. Miles's journal, twelve seven twenty one. It's been two weeks since Val almost killed a man. Still, he'd probably never wake up from the coma, and if he did, he probably wouldn't walk again. They were supposed to be installing a monitoring band that would scale with her size. It gave readings of her blood pressure and pulse, but they didn't tell me that it had been fitted with an incapacitation unit. I feel like Roderick betrayed my trust, as well as hers. We haven't seen each other since Thanksgiving Day. She's been excitable, and they worried that she would take it out on me. I assured them that she wouldn't. I was the only person here that she trusted. Deep down, I figured that Roderick didn't trust me with her. He probably thought I was impressionable. He was probably right. She kept on growing after the incident, and a few days later, she moved right into paddock four because she was standing at 32 feet. She was averaging a growth increase of 18 inches a day. The belief was that since she was so much bigger, the scale was moving up alongside her. An inch to a normal-sized girl didn't look like an inch to a giantess. I tried to talk to anyone who would listen to me. I wanted to see Val, to be with her, to tell her it was okay. But no one would allow it. It was starting to bother me how they were ramping up the testing. They didn't like how unpredictable her growth could be. She was dangerous, even when she didn't mean it. And I'm sure the higher-ups had already considered this. I'd seen enough television and read enough books to know how things like this played out. If they couldn't control or contain her, they would kill her. Valerie's Journal, twelve seven twenty one. I miss Miles. I haven't seen him since the accident. No one will talk to me. But I do know I didn't kill that man. He may be hurt for the rest of his days, but at least he was still alive. All I got in return was 20 minutes of electro-torture and a permanent band across my ankle. I wondered what it did besides give me a splitting headache. My new room is currently on my scale, but it'll change soon. I'm over 30 feet tall, but without small people around my feet, I don't really notice. I loved being big, and most of the time I spent in the heels, so... I'd have an added boost. When the kitchen crew came to inspect me, I stood up to my full height and put my hands on my hips. They wouldn't make eye contact. With the shoes, they came up to my ankle. My body didn't even start until it was past their heads. Like what you see? 
I asked one little man in a chef's hat. I was wearing the knee-length dress. They didn't provide me with panties. He looked up, his attention directed between my legs, and then he dropped his head and turned red in the face. These were the only interactions I had with other people. The last two weeks have been incredibly lonely, and even though I didn't anticipate visitors, I still left the staircase next to my bed in case Miles were to show up. My gut told me that he'd been forbidden to come see me since I was known to maim people. My growth picked up once I hit 21 feet. I grow many inches a day. Sometimes, while watching television on my oversized sofa or sitting in the floor in my oversized shower... I could feel my body changing. They brought me buckets of nail polish and paint brushes because I'd requested it, and after turning my toes a pretty shade of pink, I traced their outline on the floor. Throughout the evening, I watched as my toes crept longer, and by the time I went to bed, I couldn't see any trace of the pink. The color on my toes had retreated to tiny squares in the center. Everything would work out, I thought. If I kept growing and kept being calm and cooperative, then I'd earn their trust again. This couldn't be my life for the rest of my days, could it? Valerie's Journal, 12-2021 I'm so incredibly lonely. I have a feeling that part of Miles' absence is because Dr. Roderick wants it that way. I'm no psychology major, but I'm smart enough to see what's going on. The man has tried to poke at my emotions in every way possible. He's made me angry, sad, happy, and now he seems to be experimenting with my loneliness. Even my blood tests and measurements had stopped. Part of it was because of the box on my ankle transmitted the data, but also because they didn't want me seeing any humans. Perhaps they didn't want me to compare sizes. They also don't want me to know my own size. Was this all some sort of plot to dehumanize me? I guessed I was pushing 40 feet because I was outgrowing a paddock meant for someone much smaller. For the last two nights, I went to sleep on the floor because I had outgrown the bed. My feet hang over the end now and my ankles are too wide to fit through the metal spokes. My clothes no longer fit, not even the big pair. I sat on the floor in the living room watching television, but my eyes drifting to the flip-flops on my feet. My toes were starting to inch past the material, and the thongs simply snapped. It was easier to be naked, as even the loosest dress was constricting. I spent the last few days just lying on my back. Going to the bathroom was an endeavor, and I'm sure in a couple of days I won't be able to even get in the room. Right now. I am unable to stand up in this place. The walls are closing in. My feet and arms have nowhere to go. I've banged on the door, and I've tried to push my feet through the wall, but it's all for nothing. This is a controlled experiment, and until they want to let me go, I will be in this room forever. Valerie's Journal, 12 21 they finally moved me to the next paddock. I never saw a person because they don't want me to understand my scale. Early this morning, all the lights in my paddock went off and the whole left wall pulled away, as if it weren't even there. 
A brightly lit hallway lay beyond. Over a loudspeaker, they instructed me to crawl out and go to the right. I did as they asked, happy to have some sort of change. At the far end was an opened door and my next paddock. Inside, I was able to stand for the first time, my back feeling like hot pokers were sticking it. Still, this room was rather small. My head bumped the ceiling. The coffee table nearly tripped me, and the clothes in the closet were too small. The bed was also cramped, but at least I could turn on my side. The mattress was far better than the cold tile. Just as before, my food was inserted by trays along the bottom of the door. They weren't feeding me the good stuff now. The only thing I got was large bowls of slop that I assumed was some kind of nutrient-rich shake. At this point, they were just trying to keep me alive. They didn't care if they were keeping me happy. I missed Miles. Miles's Journal, 122421 They are routinely moving Val from one paddock to the next. She gets so big so fast. The last report from two days ago said she was standing at 48 feet. If she kept up this pace, she'd be 100 feet tall in less than a month. This blew away all projections so far. Roderick was torn between ecstatic and fearful. There was real talk about putting her down like a rabid animal. The idea was that she wouldn't grow anymore if she were dead. They had no plans past Paddock 8. After that, she'd simply have to grow until she ripped through the facility. Then there'd be a whole new set of problems. But I didn't want to let any of that happen. It was Christmas Eve, and I had a lucky break. A lot of the staff ended their six-month rotation yesterday. Because of the holiday, Minnie didn't report for work this morning finding all sorts of excuses to not be on the train. Because of this, many workstations and guard booths were left empty. It wasn't as big a problem as it seemed. The universal understanding was that Val's kicking of the man was an accident. She didn't have violent tendencies. I waited until late at night and left my quarters, heading toward the opposite side of the facility. Only two people met me in the hallway. A custodian and a guard who didn't seem to care one bit that I was out of my room. Paddock's three and up had two doors, a giant one for Val and a smaller one for personnel. I scanned my badge and entered, the room dark and silent. I was too small to make the motion lights come on, and I didn't want them on anyway. I felt like a bug right now. This place was simply massive. The coffee table legs were as thick as my body. The furniture looked like mountains. By the time I made it to her bedside, I was out of breath. I couldn't even see her from the ground, and I had to rest for a moment before I started up the stairs that she'd pulled to the foot of the bed, almost as if... She were expecting me. When I finally did make it to the top, I was in awe by her body. She wasn't under the sheet, and I could see that she'd grown more throughout the night. There's no way Val went to bed wearing the smaller set of pajamas. I stepped up to her massive foot, now the size of my whole body. The pant leg was pulled up above her shin, tight enough that I couldn't see under the material. 
She had to be fifty feet tall by now, not wanting to suffer the same fate as the man who put on her band. I moved up to the headboard and found her face, beautiful and angelic, and oh, so large. She could eat me in two bites now if she tried. She'd more than doubled in size since the last time I'd been in her presence. She was asleep, her warm breath sweet-smelling. I said her name, and she crinkled her nose. I said it again, and her eyes slowly began to flutter open. When her pupils adjusted, and she found me there on the pillow, she gently lifted herself up, and I was hypnotized to watch her move. This was the biggest thing I'd ever seen. The power of her was immense. Miles, she said in yawn, are you supposed to be here? No, I said. I want to look at the ankle bracelet, okay? I had my roll-up toolkit in my back pocket. She nodded and pulled herself up on the bed, then straightened her legs. Her skin was so smooth to the touch but I could see little goosebumps breaking out as my fingers trailed down her calf. When she was smaller, a crew helped her shave in the shower. I assumed they were still doing it, but it probably took twice as long with blades twice as sharp. The box was attached to her right ankle on the inside. The band was made of an experimental high-tensile fabric that was supposed to stretch until she reached 200 feet. The box now looked comically small on her ankle. I stood in front of it and used a screwdriver to remove the faceplate. They hadn't worried much about security. I was sure that it would trigger an alarm if she crushed it. But they didn't take into account someone dissecting it by hand. There's no way she'd be able to maneuver a tool like I did. And after the screws were out and I could see inside, I was startled by what I found. There was a transponder chip which I left alone. They would always want to track her. Beside that was the battery that provided the shock treatment. I clipped those wires and tied them together, rendering them inert. But the most troubling part of all was the two slivers of green fluid swishing around in slender vials. I carefully removed them, then tossed them as hard as I could behind her bed. There must be some kind of high dosage poison in case she ran off or became unruly. Once I'd taken care of her box, I replaced the cover and tightened the screws. No one would ever know it had been tampered with. If they tried to poison her or shock her, it wouldn't work. After I told her what I'd found and what I'd done, she smiled and said, thank you. You're not leaving yet, are you? I would love to catch up. I knew that I needed to get back, but I didn't want to leave. She picked me up and placed me on her breast. She was so warm, and I could feel her nipple getting hard beneath a silk garment. She stared at me with a quiet grin, her tongue gingerly passing across her lips. So, how's life? I asked chokingly. She laughed, <laughs> and it bounced to me high which made her laugh even more. <laughs> which made me bounce even higher. When it was over, she said, I've missed you. I've missed you, too.
Do you ever, you know, wish things were different? She asked. What do you mean? I wish we'd met in another lifetime under different circumstances. Yeah, I feel that. I looked back down the bed, across her body. Her feet were so far away that they were in shadows. But we still have fun, right? Right. We can always. And then her voice trailed off because she started smiling and biting her lip. She grinned at me like a kid who just stolen a cookie from the jar. What? I asked, clueless at first, but then I knew. She was growing, her body stretching out beneath me. It wasn't much, but it was enough to put me under her spell. And I stared at her face as it widened. Her lips became poutier, her eyes larger, the slitted lids pulling sideways and lengthening. That's kind of cool, I said. I wonder how much you just grew. Well, go check it out, lover boy. I grinned and took the challenge, walking down her stomach, feeling the tightness of the silk beneath my feet. Now I could balance on her leg, even though it was difficult because it tickled her. When I jumped off her ankle and circled around her foot, I could see a difference from a few minutes ago when I was servicing the box. Now her toes were over my head. I reached up and tried to touch the tips, but I couldn't. Val turned her feet to the side so that I could see her face. She said, "That's not what I wanted you to check out." What do you? And then she lifted her legs into the air, almost like a magic trick because they were so large. It was like a plane passing over. She grabbed the tight material at the waist and worked it down, lifting her ass off the bed so she could clear it. She peeled them down. Then pulled them off and tossed them into the floor. Now I was staring dead ahead at an enormous pussy. I knew what she wanted. Like what you see, she said. I did. I crept forward, trailing my fingers along her inner thighs until I reached her sweet spot. She was trembling but desperately trying to keep it under control. My hand came up and stroked her womanhood, now as long as I was tall. Gently, I pushed forward, easing my way inside. It wasn't so long ago that I could barely get my head in, and even then, I worried I'd hurt her. But now, once Val relaxed, I disappeared, having no evidence at all that a little man had gone inside. It was so warm and wet. And just tight enough to be comforting without claustrophobic. I moved around, trying to find a better position, but each time I twisted, I made the giantess's love tunnel constrict. She was getting hotter and wetter with each pass, and as I lay there, I started to kiss the soft lumps of her skin. She tasted wonderful, and I could have stayed in there all night. But she had other intentions. Her fingers reached in and snatched my ankles and pulled me out. I thought we were done, but she was far from it. She shoved me in, only to pull me out again. This went on several more times, each pass making me hot, making my tiny dick throb. 
Somehow, she got me off, and I was coming just before the big lady did it herself. I... Oh... I... Her juices gushed across me, and her moans died down. She slowed, moving me back and forth. Finally, she held me outside of her, the cool air kissing my skin. She let the juices drip off me, and then she gently placed me on her chest again. She was breathing so hard now that it was like being on a carnival ride. That was... Oh, Miles. Yeah? This isn't going to be as much fun when I grow again. I shrugged. Maybe you've stopped growing. But we both felt her body inching bigger. Valerie's Journal, 122521. Miles was so exhausted that he fell asleep after we were finished. I placed him on my pillow and then gently stood. One thing about the facility was the thickness of the concrete. It absorbed the sounds, and because there were no windows except in the courtyard, there was nothing to rattle. A woman as large as me could tiptoe and be silent. He looked so small there on my pillow. I wanted more of his time and his attention, but knew this moment wouldn't last for long. We'd both be in trouble when they found out he'd come to visit me. That he'd broken the gizmos inside my ankle bracelet. I could feel the growth spurts even now. They were subtle, but being so large made them easy to detect. It was more difficult when I wasn't wearing clothes, but if I stood in one place long enough and put my hands on the ceiling, I could feel myself sliding. After I took a cold shower to come down from Miles's escapades, I crept back into bed and lay my head on the pillow next to him. He never did wake up. It had to be hard work pleasing a woman this big. Valerie's Journal, 12-25-21 Wake up, girl, said a voice above me. I opened my eyes, expecting to see a tiny man hovering nearby, but it was only the loudspeaker in the ceiling. I sat up, looked over at my pillow, but Miles wasn't there. My heart raced, and I felt ice water in my veins. Where did he go? Who's there? I asked, looking at the speaker. My feet were a little bigger this morning. I'd had a small spurt throughout the night. It's Roderick. You had a bit of fun last night, didn't you? My face turned red. Where's Miles? There was no use in hiding it. He's gone. We're going to another route with you. I'm afraid. Please stand up and leave the room. What? No! You tell me where Miles is right now. Calm down. He's ill on site. You're going to have to cooperate if you want to see him again. I want to talk to him right now. I could feel tears streaming down my cheeks. 
but as they landed on my skin, they seemed to evaporate. But that wasn't quite right. I was growing while they stayed the same size. Maybe if you earn it, he said. For now, I want you to leave the room. Hurry now. You're getting big again. He was correct. Although I wouldn't have trouble getting out of the paddock, I knew I would have trouble walking. I stood naked and hobbled out, nearly crashing over the coffee table. Leaving the paddock required me to stoop, and then I followed the lights along the ground until I reached my next temporary home. Now things felt right again. I was probably almost sixty feet tall by now, and the room looked tailored to such a giantess. Get dressed said Roderick, his voice following me into this room. Again, I cooperated, heading to the bedroom, the same one I'd seen since my first day here, and put on the sequence dress and the pair of flip-flops. It was currently a good fit, but with the way my skin was itching, I'm sure it wouldn't stay that way for long. Now what? I asked, sitting down on the sofa. I could feel it contracting beneath me, but only a little. Now behave while we figure out what to do with you. Miles's journal, twelve twenty six twenty one. Well, I'm in trouble. Somehow I managed to trip one of the alarms and Roderick sent a team in to get me. This wasn't medical staff, but special ops. They came in, dosed me with a trank, and carried me off without Val waking up. I'm no longer in my quarters. I'm in a cell on site because they don't want me to communicate with her anymore. They're monitoring her blood work and DNA. They don't want someone else muddying up her samples. I kind of understand the science end of it, but it still makes me mad. And it also makes me worry what kind of state she'll be in at the end of all this. Valerie's Journal, 123121 22. If my math is right, it's New Year's Eve. The isolation is starting to get to me. What they are doing to me is cruel, an unusual punishment. I have no one to talk to. I've not seen Miles since our wonderful night together, and I don't even have a working television. The only thing I get is static. I guess this could be a technical issue, but I'm prone to believe it's intentional. Sometimes it's so quiet I can hear my heart beating. And in those moments, I can also hear myself growing. I'm still in my first outfit, made for a 65-foot woman. It's the jeans and t-shirt combo, my favorite. But currently, it's all cutting into my skin. For the hour before the jeans split down the middle, the sofa groaned under my weight. I think the bigger something is, the less stout it's built. When I changed into the next set, I had to rip off the current garments. This was my only source of enjoyment. I loved the idea of getting bigger, and the various clothes allowed me to experience it in full. Still, I wished that I had my tiny man with me. My growth slowed that week, and for the next 
six days, I crept up by inches. Sometimes I could feel it, and sometimes it happened overnight. I shed one set of clothes only to go into another. By the time my head was brushing the ceiling and I was stepping over the coffee table whenever I moved through the apartment, I guessed I was pushing 100 feet tall. The paddock wasn't big enough for me anymore. If they waited too long to get me out, I wasn't sure I would ever get to leave. There was only one more place for me to go, and that would be the end of my journey. A week after New Year's Day, the door slid open. By now, I was so cramped that I had to crawl on my side to reach the living room. I was staying near the bathroom because I had to hoist myself up to use the toilet. Even then, half my body was hanging out into the bedroom. My bed was so small. My bed was so small now that it would never be able to accommodate me. I'd used the mattress as a pillow for the last two nights. I crawled through the living room and pulled myself into the hallway. From there, it was a short trip to paddock eight, the massive door hanging open. Once I was inside, the huge gears holding it back released and it fell into place, as if locking me away forever. I supposed that's what was happening. The side entrance held a narrow chasm, but there's no way I could fit through there. For the last time, I stood, feeling like a normal-sized girl again. The closet only had one set of clothes, a pair of dress pants and a shirt that had buttons the size of manhole covers. I dressed and waited for breakfast, which came a little while later. As I sat there on the sofa, I could feel my body starting to change. So what's the plan? I asked, knowing someone was listening. After a few minutes, a speaker in the wall began to talk. No plan, only containment. You could let me go. You would kill millions out there, said Roderick. So there never was research, huh? Just get the growing girl off the street? It made my nose burn with tears. There was research indeed, but you simply grow too fast for us to keep up. I'm sorry it has to be this way. We have a choice. Get rid of you or kill everyone on the planet. And then I did start to cry. I put my hands over my face and sobbed. I didn't know if he was still listening or not, I said. At least give me back Miles. Miles's Journal, one ten twenty two. I've been a prisoner since Christmas. I suppose it could have been worse. I could have been executed for going against my orders. But I don't suppose Roderick wanted that. He probably thought I was useful in keeping her controlled and contained but I had no clue how bad things had gotten in my absence. The door to my cell came open and a voice I didn't recognize came over the loudspeaker. If you want to be with her, you better go now. What's happening? I asked. Just as I said it, a low, dull vibration made my bedpost rattle. The lights flickered off and the voice was gone. On the other side of my door, the hallway was empty and dark.
Not even the auxiliary lights were burning, but since this was a guard station, I was able to find a flashlight and then make my way down the hall. There were no other people here. Had they all initiated the egress protocol? If that were the case, they'd all be on the other end of the facility, riding the gas-powered elevators out of the Pelican. At the end of the hall, I found a bank of golf carts, but the charging dock was turned off. I turned one over and the engine started up. The power hadn't been off long. I zipped down the hall, looking in offices, listening for talking. There was none. All I heard was the random thump of the facility. In the hallway containing the doors for paddocks four to eight, I realized that the only place Val could be by now was the biggest room. I turned to paddock eight, happy to see that the side door was slightly cracked open. My cart couldn't make it through the gap, but my body could if I turned to the side. When I entered, I was both shocked and saddened by what I saw. Valerie was bigger, much bigger, than when I had left her weeks ago. She'd been closing in on 50 feet tall, but now I figured she was well over 300. And she was in the middle of a spurt. The room could no longer contain her. She was on her back, head far at the other end, a foot on the wall above my head. She could see me when I entered, and she tried to remain still, but it was no use. Her body was changing against her will. Miles! I'm so sorry! I'm so sorry this is happening! Don't be sorry, I yelled, knowing I had to be loud for my voice to project. This isn't your fault. You have to get out of here, she said, and just as the words rolled off her lips, a barrage of cement chunks fell across her chest and scattered down. She wasn't hurt, but it was a reminder that this entire place was going to collapse. No, I said, I'm not going anywhere without you. I hopped up on her foot then began to climb her leg, feeling the skin stretch out beneath me. At her knee, I rolled downhill, landing at a pussy that was too gigantic for me to ever service. Not that I would have the chance, anyway. From there, she was able to help. She brought her hand down, and I hopped onto it, feeling her palms spreading out in all directions. There were battery-powered lights here, but they kept flickering on and off, casting the world in blackness. Val brought me up to her eyes, the same eyes that captivated me all those weeks ago. She was so beautiful, and I watched my own reflection in her iris as the mirror continued to expand in all directions. I'm sorry, Val. You deserved so much better. Yeah, she said. So did you. The room rumbled. More cement fell from the ceiling. A siren in the hallway warbled and then died. Hey, she said, bringing her lips close. She kissed me, knocking me flat on her hand. Yeah, I said. I love you. I love you too. Her lips covered me, and I could feel the air rushing out of her mouth in long, ragged gasps. 
In truth, she was protecting me because the room had started to come down. I reached up, tugged at her growing lip, and gave her one last kiss. And then my world closed up around me, disappearing into a choking haze of dust and darkness. Well, thank you for listening to this story. I hope you enjoyed the Valerie Wu journey. It's a very interesting story. It's sexy and it's tragic as well, obviously. Such an amazing piece of writing, and I hope you really enjoyed my reading of it, my narration. I hope that you find me on social media and talk with me. I love to interact with others. You can find my work on Amazon as well, my books and my audiobooks. Also on Goodreads, if you go on Goodreads, I have all of my audiobooks and books on there. And I think I've got, oh gosh, maybe 13 or 14 audiobooks I've narrated. Maybe. <laughs> I'm losing count. Some of them aren't out yet. And I have three books on Amazon as well. So I hope that you purchase my books too and check me out and give me a review. I'd love to hear reviews from you, whether it's on the podcast or something I've written. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. You can find my free erotica at ruinwillowauthor.com. I also have a story on literatica. If you've ever gone there, it's a swinging story. And Lush Stories is another place I have another story. And Medium, I have a story on Medium too. So I have stories that are free all across those things. My website on Literatica and Lush. And I do have a Patreon if you would like to subscribe to be a part of my Patreon. I have special exclusives there for people who are members. And I also have special audios that I offer that you could ask for a certain specific audio to be emailed to you that I create for you. So I will put my links down in the podcast notes so that you can find all of my links. I hope you have an amazing day and it's right around the holidays here in the United States. So I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. I will continue to do a few more podcasts, but I am coming up on the one year anniversary of my podcast coming up in January here. So that's pretty exciting to me. But I want to thank all of you for listening to me and all of my episodes. I have over 100 episodes now. So check me out. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have fun. And I hope you have an awesome fucking day. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.